scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, In the Pew Bibles, it's page 1602. Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. All right. Well, yes, today we get to conclude uh, a sermon series that we started back in uh, September, uh, looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Plain in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, We've talked about how there's a Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, um, the Sermon on the Plain in Luke, uh, actually getting to travel to Israel right before COVID hit. It was interesting looking at the different locations and how both locations that we believe Jesus taught this roughly similar message had these natural, like, acoustic properties. Kind of like natural amphitheater, so to speak. So this is like people gathering in the sort of the stadiums or maybe amphitheater type environments. Uh, But also, as we've talked about, there are people that are in the crowds just listening. There are people that are religious leaders that are skeptical of what Jesus is saying. And then there's disciples, people that are learners, followers who are leaning into what Jesus is saying and wanting to, to capture it, wanting it to become a part of who they are. And the great thing about Jesus is he's really the greatest storyteller uh, there is. Jesus wanted this teaching to, to really get into their hearts. And so he often taught in parables, as we know. And over the last couple weeks, and in the message today, we look at four profound word pictures that Jesus gives in an effort to have those truths sink in. And capture our imagination so they'll hold and they'll be able to enable us to look at the world differently around us. So today it's from Luke 6, verses 46 to 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house and he could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. This is the word of God, and may God use it for his good purposes in our lives today. In the midst of Jesus' teaching, he's, he's taught us uh, through uh, the Beatitudes, blessed are various people and the woes. If you don't apply those, these principles, watch out, there's going to be trouble. There's also specific areas of life that he's spoken into, uh, the, the temptation toward lust or greed, to focus on possessions, uh, to, to fail to love our enemies, and to, to be divided over uh, various things. And, and Jesus is wanting to unite us around a, a common kind of vision and picture of what life would look like. And so towards the end here, he essentially says, picture this. 
And in the past few weeks, we've seen some of these word pictures. One word picture is, if you don't apply my teachings on the kingdom, it's kind of like a blind person guiding other people. You're going to lead people into a pit or some kind of destruction. Or it's like wanting to call somebody else out on the the speck that you see in their eye when you've got a log in your own and it's not going to enable you to see other people. In other words, don't judge them. Or as Pastor Greg preached on last week, it's like a tree and whatever kind and quality of fruit that is born in that tree is emblematic of the tree itself and where its roots are and how steady it is. And now, in the fourth word picture, there's another warning about rival teachings and rival visions of what the kingdom of God is like. And then if you don't root yourself in a strong foundation in the teachings of Jesus, you're likely to crash. In Jesus' day, the initial crowd there would have heard this in a comparison between Jesus' words and living out his vision for the kingdom in comparison with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and their vision, which was one of an external righteousness, an attempt to reach God yourself through your own moral good works. But Jesus' teaching is about a quality of life that is captured and connected with who he is as our foundation. Not seeking to reach God ourselves, but recognizing that God has reached out to us in Christ. And he, through Jesus, shows us what the kind of life he's calling us to live looks like. So Jesus paints a picture and talks about building our house on the, on the rock You know, having a foundational life. This picture captured my attention. Like, wow, that's seriously building your house on the rock. But he compares that with building our house on the the sand. Not listening to Jesus' words or not applying his wisdom. Not putting it into practice. and, And essentially, that is like building without a foundation. And sooner or later, Jesus says, the floods will come. And when they do, it will be apparent where you've been building and what kind of foundation you have. Jesus' hearers may have had a hint of Jesus referring here to the great building project of their day. And that was Herod's rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. A temple that was like a house built upon the sand. Because Herod was essentially wanting to look good in rebuilding the temple and its beauty and grandeur and kind of doing the Jews a favor. But what was happening there in the temple was, again, a kind of external righteousness, a layered type of religiosity where people could only, some people could only, you know, come in into one, uh, you know, court and others could only, you know, come into another and nobody could go into the Holy of Holies. And so everybody was, was at a distance from God. And legalistically, it's like you're, you've got to, you know, carry out these religious observances to gain entrance or based on who you were are ethnically or whether you're a man or a woman, you, there's different levels of access. Well, having traveled to Jerusalem right before the pandemic, I could see visually that all that's left of that temple is one wall and still a place where people go and pray But that temple, rebuilt temple, has completely lost its grandeur. In contrast, Jesus' stories 
have captured the imagination and our attention for centuries. They invite us in. They, they capture our minds and our, our hearts if we allow them to. His stories have stood up better than Herod's temple. And if we compare Matthew and Luke's versions, we learn a little bit more about it. For, for Luke, the Greek word he uses is that, you know, there's like a river that comes through, you know, and, and depending on where you build your house, this river is going to impact you one way or another. Well, Matthew, who, who uh, was born and lived in Palestine, we believe, I think even captures the, the picture a little better because for him it's a torrent. And he's basically saying, if you build your house in a riverbed that looks nice and soft in the summer, looks like a really, you know, really kind of pretty place, you know, to set up shop. In the winter, when the storms come and the rains come down, there's going to be a flood and your house is not going to stand. Probably the closest personal picture I've had of this visual is of um, going down to Mexico with the youth group in Santa Rosa on a house building trip. And, you know, we're, we're involved in, in building a house for a family, and it was great getting to know that family. I love those kinds of mission trips because there's this practical outgrowth of, of what's produced in, in a house. But the moment we started building on this location, I'm like, I mean, there's a little ravine right next to it. And we're building on a foundation that was dirt and tires, and even over the course of this week while we're building, and the, and the good thing, we're, we're building a relationship with this family, right, and everything. And, and they were the ones, they wanted to build there. And, we, and, and somebody even questioned, is this the right spot? You really want to build here? And they say, yeah, we, we want to build here. Even over the course of that week, it poured rain on one of the days. And a little ravine's coming by. And you're almost watching the foundation drift away. And you're wondering, will this house stand the test of time? I have no idea whether that house is still standing in Tijuana. But what Jesus invites us to see is that there are different types of foundation. And we can't necessarily see externally how, what your foundation is built on. It, it's an internal reality and an act of faith. But when we allow Jesus' teaching to become the core of who we are, we set up a right and true foundation through obedience to him that he says will stand up over time. He's basically saying neither the rules of men and just external obedience nor uh, simply acknowledging Jesus as Lord is going to be a, a deep enough foundation. We must dig deeper. We must go deeper in grounding the building of our lives into the, the foundation of a personal acceptance of Christ as Lord and Savior and all that implies because only from that foundation, dug that deeply, can we begin to find meaning and purpose in life and have a foundation that will stand up amidst life's trials and challenges. A foundation of unconditional commitment and love that God has assured us and made for us through Jesus. So how can we build our house on the rock? Jesus says first it's by coming to him, coming to Jesus. We need to spend time with him. And there were crowds that came and listened. They came to Jesus. And I love the invitations of Scripture. In John 1.35, Jesus says, come and see. And in Mark 1.16-20, he tells his disciples, come and follow me. And one of my favorite invitations in Scripture is in Matthew 11, where he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke, my teaching upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What an amazing invitation. And Jesus is saying that when we come to him and and receive what he has to give, we're going to find a deeper quality of life, a greater foundation than in any other place. But it takes not only coming to him, it takes hearing his words, allowing the message of the gospel to be heard regularly by you through sermons and and, uh, and hearing it read out loud and and affirmed in in your hearing so that it, it literally washes over you. One of our practices uh, right now, Beth and I, you know, drive the, the kids to the different schools now. We have to divide and conquer. Basically because of all that construction on the 174. I mean, no, Cochran's, I mean, maybe on 174, Colfax, or, it's been brutal, like, over the last half a year. Because it's always under construction. And there's basically no way that one Griffin parent can get both Griffin kids to Union Hill Elementary and Nevada Union within a half hour's time. It's just not going to work. So we have to divide and conquer. One drives one kid, one drives the other. And for me, one of the practices is just to read one of the Psalms on our way to school and read it out loud. And guess who's reading it? The kids, because I'm driving. And we start our day going to school, learning school, by hearing one of the Psalms out loud in our car and allowing that to be kind of the first message they hear, so to speak, before they go into their school and hear lots of different messages. We need to hear the word of God regularly, particularly, I want to encourage you in the morning, start your day with it, read it, allow it to be your foundation for every day, not just once a week, but every day. But Jesus says, it's not like coming to me, hearing my words, it's putting them into practice, that the real, the only value is not only hearing the word, but doing it, digging deeper in a rock-like foundation that will stand amidst life's storms and trials will only come if we put it into practice. And that means coming to him and surrendering our lives to him, being his disciples and hearing his teaching, but also obeying that teaching. It's about hearing and doing. And it's about living our lives with him as our our Lord. I remember one of my friends who um, in college, uh, you know, claimed to be a believer. I connected with him in college and he he had grown up in church and gone to a a camp and and had, you know, a profession of faith in a way. But I remember as we spent time together in college and as his life went along, what became clear to me is that he had accepted Jesus as his savior, but he had never accepted Jesus as his Lord. You know, he, he wanted to go to heaven. We all want to go to heaven. We all want eternal salvation. But he hadn't given Jesus the keys to his life. He hadn't opened the door and said, come in and make all things new. It's all yours. He hadn't given the rooms of his heart over to Jesus. And as a result, there was always distance there. And eventually he drifted away in his faith. What Jesus' invitation is and making him our foundation is not only having him as our Savior, and we need him as our Savior, but also have him as Lord where he is the foundation of our lives and, and he is guiding and directing us. If we don't, what happens, Jesus says in Matthew 7.21 is this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, that's not meant to be a a works-based attempt at reaching God. It's that the way we live our life becomes an outgrowth of our identity 
that is found in Christ. And Luke eleven twenty eight says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. We've heard repeatedly in the Sermon on the Mount is there are blessings, makarios in the Greek, uh, that, that will be found and experienced by us when we live a certain kind of life and, and allow Jesus to, to invade our lives in the various experiences that we have. James put it like this in James 1.22. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. For anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. In other words, we're going to remember the word of God. It's going to become more a part of who we are when we live it out, when we practice it. When we, when we put it into practice again and again in the circumstances and situations of our life, and then we're going to validate it through the way we live. So coming to Jesus, hearing his word, but then putting it into practice safeguards our life against the lies of the enemy and the other messages that are out there that can basically you know, get us off our foundation and our, our rootedness in Jesus. In entering into the kingdom of God, we want to live out a kingdom kind of life. And what Jesus is stressing here is that it's those who truly hear the gospel, but not, not, but not only profess it, but live it, that then have a firm foundation that's going to stand up. Dallas Willard in The Divine Conspiracy says, By relying on his word and presence, we are enabled to reintegrate the little realm that makes up our life into the infinite rule of God. And that is the eternal kind of life. Caught up in his active rule, our deeds become an element in God's eternal history. They become a part of God's story. We're living out our foundation, but we're making a contribution to others too, as we're going to talk about today. So far from being additional laws then to crush us or show us that we can't make it on our own. I mean, we can't make it on our own. (laughs) But Jesus is trying to give us an integrated kind of life. And he says that integration and that foundation will happen when we build our house on him, when we dig down deep in our foundation and we lay our foundation on the rock of his teachings and of his life. Matthew says it this way, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, who does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let me tell you some things about floods when it, when, where this truth really matters. When we learn about floods through Jesus' teaching is this. It's when, not if, the floods come. In the parable, the floods come to everyone. Okay, And in my life experience, the longer I'm living, the more I realize nobody is outside of the challenges and the, the struggles in life. Particularly, think about the pervasive challenges we're wrestling through with covid with uh, racial conflict and division. These, these cultural landscape changing dynamics we're living in. Nobody's outside of their impact and their influence on our lives. And then there's those particular challenges. When we lose a loved one or we lose a job or we go through some particular struggle or trial in our own lives. It is a when, not if, when it comes to the floods and the challenges of life. Storms will come and they will impact all of us. Similarly, we will all go through struggles in life, believers and unbelievers. 
Just because we obey Jesus' teaching doesn't mean that things are going to be easy. In fact, they may actually be more difficult. Because living for Jesus is not easy in our increasingly, you know, culture that's opposed to, to Christian life and faith. Floods come on both. And the reality is that those floods, those challenges in life will affect each house. None of us is immune. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 45. He says, God makes his son, the sun, rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. The difference is in the foundations, not necessarily the circumstances, which will push against our house and, and press against it with the winds and, and the rains. And in those times when we're going through struggles, the question is, are we applying Jesus' teaching? And have we developed that foundation. My friends, I want to tell you, it's really hard to develop that foundation in the midst of the heat of the battle. It's really hard to develop that foundation when you're grieving at your core, when life sends you a curveball that you did not expect. My encouragement to you is to build that foundation now in whatever circumstances you're going through. You might be thinking, I'm going to, you know, develop my foundation when circumstances are more congenial to the development of faith. You know, let's get out of COVID. We stop having to wear masks and, and then I'll develop my foundation. There's never going to be a time where things are easy to develop a Christ-centered foundation and a life built on his teaching. I've told you that Levi and I are reading through the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, we just got to one of my favorite parts of the silver chair where Prince Rillian, you know, comes to and tells the children and Puddleglum that this is really who he is and, and that he, they can rescue him. And, and Puddleglum wants to stay in reality in the midst of trying to understand the situation. He actually steps on a fire to so spark like his awareness of what's going on that then he, 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 he unravels Rillian's chains and, and really strikes down the silver chair and, and, and it defeats it. And, and in this situation and circumstance, the prince is then freed to, to go and to do. But the repeated message throughout the Chronicles of Narnia that Aslan says is, today is the day. <laughs> there, there's, no, there's no, don't worry about tomorrow. Put your faith into practice today. All other days are like today. And the change or the decisions you make today will impact your tomorrow. So by showing up in worship today, you're, hearing, you're coming to Jesus. You're hearing his words. You're strengthening your foundation. But the difference maker is going to be whether you go out today and live out these words in this message, trusting in him and the foundation that he can provide. And as a church and as a leadership, you know, the big thing for us is realizing like, we need to invest in strengthening our foundations. I need my foundation strengthened. You need it strengthened. And in the wintertime, we're going to have a sermon series called Foundations of Faith on the Book of Hebrews. And our, and our, our youth and our children are going to be, be taught, you know, foundational principles to, to give them a base upon which to live their lives. Because, my friends, you will not develop that foundation by scrolling through social media hour after hour. It's only going to confuse you further. And it's only going to divide us further. And I get caught up in that as much as anybody. And what if you took that social media time. And you made that foundational time. 
And you said, instead of scrolling through the pictures as much at least, you're going to take that 15 minutes and spend it in God's word. Do you think you'll have a better foundation that way? I think you will. But that takes a radical change of where we invest our time and our energy. Because I think that the natural progression of life in our culture right now is this detour away from building our house on the rock. And it's going to take our hearing his word and putting it into practice to move out from just being part of the crowd, listening to his word and, and, and failing to follow it to actually following it, putting it into practice and then, and then loving other people based on it and sharing that good news that you've received yourself but other people need to hear. That's when we build our house on a, a stronger foundation. And as a result of that, the moment the torrents strike the house, it will not collapse and you will not be destroyed. And I have to tell you, there have been situations in my life where there's been grief or loss or challenges in ministry where I can say my house has been shaken, but it's held because of the rootedness in Jesus. And my hope and prayer for you is that you find in the struggles of life your house standing up through that experience because your, your house is rooted and founded in Jesus. The only practical benefit to his teaching is if we act on faith and we put God's word into practice even when it doesn't initially make sense and even when it is not easy to do so. Where we actually risk in faith and root our lives in his teachings because we trust him enough to do that and when we wait for the results that follow. The question here is, are we building without a foundation? Is it like Cinnamon's children's talk where that sandcastle is going to, you know, be destroyed? Or are we rooting our lives in God's word and faith and are we going to stand firm when the stresses and the trials come? Church, there really is a radical choice being put before us. A radical challenge. And I must say, in this regard, Jesus' teachings and the Bible itself is a really dangerous book to read. And being a part of a church is really a dangerous society to join. Because it will change you if you allow it to. And it will make all the difference in your life. That's what it's meant to do. But it's going to take coming to Jesus when we're weary and tired and we, we don't have any hope left and hearing his words and putting them into practice and building our house on Jesus and digging down deep. Let's like the image last week with the tree and its fruit, building our house where we're building this deep foundation and laying our house and the foundation upon the rock. And I want to say that this not only comes through putting the foundation of our and building blocks on God's word, it also comes through connecting with one another because we're not strong enough to do it on our own. We will fail. And like that sandcastle by ourselves, it's going to just get destroyed. But when we root our lives on God's word and we do that together, we're going to have the strength to stand in the midst of life's adversities and challenges. So here's what I want to do in application today. You were given or should have picked up a Jenga block when you uh, came in. And, uh, you know, Jenga has been a game that's had a lot of spiritual principles for me at, the t- at different times. And what I want to think about today first is, is putting the Jenga block uh, for my own on, on God's word. And that that's where I want and I want our lives to be founded on. Okay. 
But what I want to do also as a community today is this. I'd love for you to take that Jenga block and I'd love for you to write your name on it. Okay? And uh, we're going to be off script here in a minute, Bo. I'm wondering if you would come up and, and if you'd be willing to play something on the piano for us. Bo and I were here at about 9.30 last night, and I meant to ask him about this, and I forgot. He's being very kind coming up. Um, What I want you to do is write your name on that block. And what I'd love for you to do during this time that follows of of just prayerful meditation before I'll wrap it up in prayer is this. I'd love for you to write your name on it, and I'd love for you to hold it. And for you to consider what it means to to place your life, to build your your house on on the rock of Jesus. But I also would love you to make a conscious commitment. And that conscious commitment uh, would be expressed through bringing up the block and placing it on the communion table here. As an expression of your desire not only to commune with God and have your life rooted in faith in him, but in connection with one another. Because you and I well know what happens with Jenga. (laughs) When we take our block out of the rest of the blocks, it comes tumbling down, right? And it has negative consequences, not only for us when we isolate ourselves and we, we pull ourselves out of fellowship. It has negative consequences for others. Because when you're here, I'm encouraged. And when others are here, you're encouraged. And when we stay connected and invested together, when we're engaged together, and our foundation collectively is on Jesus. It's actually the unstoppable force. The greatest force in the world. Jesus meant to unleash his church. Based on the foundation of him. Together. And he told Peter once that the gates of Hades. The gates of hell will not be able to stand against the church. It is the, the most unstoppable force in the world. And that's still true today, church, even as much as we're hurting or feels like, you know, we're smaller or isolated, whatever. When we gather together, when we place our foundation on Jesus, when we support and encourage one another in that decision, Jesus tells us that as kingdom people, we will not be stopped. We will be victorious ultimately. So as Bo continues to play, um, just invite us to say, uh, God, we, we want to place our foundation on you today by name. We want to root ourselves in you, commune with you, and have you be our foundation, Jesus. But also do that in fellowship and in friendship and in support with one another. So as you invite us to, and as we feel your call to respond, I just invite people to bring their block up and place it on the communion table as a sign and seal of their desire to be founded in you, but also connected together. In Jesus' name, amen.
God, we thank you for the invitation to be built upon you, to have a foundation in our life that is the only ultimate one that will stand the test of time. Lord, many of us are tired and weary. We're wearied by um, the loss of lives through COVID, the loss of you know vitality of life and the impact of COVID. We're wearied by racial unrest and injustice. And we, we cry out to you, God, praying that you would root us in a love that is so wide and high and long and deep that it is without measure. A love that was demonstrated in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A love that leads us back into fellowship and connection with you. In responding in obedience to your word where it says in in Hebrews 10, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. Lord, may the building of our lives on on you and on your teaching, but in connection with other fellow travelers, fellow strugglers, fellow disciples, may we draw encouragement and strength from you today, but also from one another, that our building blocks of our lives are not isolated or alone, but they're in connection with others in community, and that we can stand firm in you together as a church. And that you, Lord, are on the move uh, in and through your church. And we get to be a part of that, God. And what an amazing privilege. We get to be a part of that. So today, think of the words of Martin Luther. Here I stand and I can do no other. Now here we stand in you. We want to do your word. We want to live it out. We want that to impact every aspect, every area of our lives, Lord. Have your way with us, in and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
rising up from the ashes, God forever you reign, and my soul will find refuge in the shadow of your wings. I will love you forever, and forever I'll sing.
the ruins come to life in the beauty of your name rising up from the ashes God forever you reign my soul will find refuge in the shadow of your wings I will love you forever and forever I'll sing lift it up come to life in the beauty of your name rising up from the ashes God forever you reign and my soul will find refuge in the shadow